You are Locked On Vikings, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Vikings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Vikings podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at J. Reed NFL. You can also find some of my work over at InsideThePyline.com, where I've written a host of content about the X's and O's of the NFL game, also the college football game as well. So make sure you go and check that out. You can also find some of my work over at ClimbingThePocket.com, where I've written a host of articles about Vikings content and also a plethora of other football-related things as well. We have a great show on tap for you guys today. What we're going to be discussing is my biggest takeaways from training camp so far. The Vikings had a day off yesterday where they did not have practice and they just had meetings for the most part, still continuing to install some plays, review the film from some early practice sessions as well. But the team is back at it today and I'm excited to see how they build off the momentum that they have built so far. Just some of the takeaways that I will be going over Dalvin Cook and his progress from his knee injury. The progress of Mike Hughes and Holton Hill, some early names that we're excited to hear about so far. And I want to cover the offensive line injuries as well, because that seems to be a big topic of debate right now with Pat Elfline still out on the pup list and also a new injury added to the injury list and Mike Rimmers suffering in high ankle sprain. Those are just some of the things on tap that I will be discussing today. And then we'll end with a weekly Q&A where I ask my Twitter followers some of the concerns and some of the questions that they do have about Vikings training camp thus far. And I'll make sure to get to five or six of those questions. So let's jump right into it. Dalvin Cook and his injury situation and how he's recovered from that to this point. I sent out a tweet about a week ago talking about how he's been fully cleared by the doctors to not wear the brace in training camp and for all team-related activities. And that's what we're seeing in training camp so far to this point. Dalvin Cook looks fantastic. Everyone in the big media has been talking about how great he looks. He finally looks like his pre-injury self, and he looks fully recovered from that torn ACL from a year ago where he suffered in week four against the Detroit Lions. And Dalvin Cook is one player that I'm supremely looking forward to seeing play next year. You talk about a guy that's proven to be a bell cow running back, and he looked like he was going to be one of the better running backs in the NFL last year. He got off to a supremely fast start in week one against the New Orleans Saints, where he got off to a bit of a slow start in the first half. But as the game went along, you saw that huge talent that a lot of draft evaluators saw in their pre-draft scouting reports of him. Now, everyone knows about the off-the-field issues that he did have and the draft slide that he did suffer, and the Vikings ended up getting him in the second round where they did have to trade up a couple spots. But he essentially fell into their laps. And I think they're going to get a huge return on their investment this year with Dalvin Cook. I love Jarek McKinnon. I love what he brought last year, and I'm a big fan of Latavius Murray as well. But both of those guys are not what Dalvin Cook is, and they don't have the type of star power that Dalvin Cook has in the future. Talk about a guy that I think can be a bell cow running back and a guy you can run your offense through. And John DeFilippo, who's the Vikings offensive coordinator, has already came out and said that he thinks Dalvin Cook can be a centerpiece of his offense. He's never had a running back like Dalvin Cook in his offense, even in, even in his days in Cleveland and in Philadelphia. Neither of those teams have had a running back that can be an all-around or bell cow running back like Dalvin Cook is capable of being. But where do you get him? 
and Dalvin Cook. You're getting a guy that can run between the tackles. He can run outside on the perimeter. He's improved his blocking a ton because that was one of the biggest critiques or one of the biggest criticisms about him coming out of Florida State. He wasn't a great pass protector, but he's put the work in and he's put his time in and he looks to be improved in that facet of his game. But you're also getting a guy that can catch out of the backfield as well. And that's where he's going to provide a lot of value for the Vikings as well. So you have a supreme talent like Dalvin Cook. I think the Vikings are going to get a lot of mileage out of him this year. And I think he's going to have a breakout season. Now, do I think he's going to be a guy that's going to lead the league in rushing? No, I'm not saying that. But I think he's a guy that can be in that top five to top ten range of rushing in the NFL if he stays healthy. And that's another big question about him as well. Health. And staying fully healthy for an entire season has always been something that draft Knicks have used against him as well. He's always a guy that has a lot of bumps and bruises. He's had a couple he's had a couple shoulder surgeries and now with his latest injury with the torn ACL. But he looks to be fully recovered. And I just can't wait to see exactly how he flourishes in John DeFilippo's offense. Now, let's get to what was the biggest offseason storyline for the Minnesota Vikings. And that's bringing over Kirk Cousins from the Washington Redskins. Now, in the training camp, everyone wants to know, how does Kirk Cousins look? Is he operating this offense at an efficient level like everyone is expecting him to? Can he overcome the Vikings' deficiencies on offense that they have had in years past because they're expecting him to be this near-elite quarterback now that he's come over from the Redskins and signed this three-year, $84 million fully guaranteed contract? And what you see is that Kirk Cousins has come in and he's done exactly what he needed to do. He's come in, he's led this offense at a very efficient level through the offseason, and he seems to be fitting in very comfortably with the Minnesota Vikings, with the coaching staff, with the players. General manager Rick Spielman has had glowing reviews and just about how he's come in and worked ever since he's been here. And that's something that Vikings fans would love to see from Kirk Cousins. Now, of course, he has to win games and he has to produce on the field. But as far as how he's come in and how he's fitted in with this locker room, I think he's done a fantastic job. And stability is all that Vikings fans want to see out of Kirk Cousins. If he comes in and provides a level of stability and plays at the same level that he did in Washington or even a notch above what he played in Washington, I think that he will be just fine in Minnesota. Entering training camp or into training camp, The clips that we've seen on social media have been great. The reviews from the media present at practices have been great. So now we just need to see this carry over into the preseason and into the season and into playoff games. And now he needs to go and win a Super Bowl because that's the biggest reason why the team bought Kirk Cousins in here. They didn't bring him in here to get back to the NFC Championship game. They wanted him to be an upgrade over Case Keenum. Case Keenum got the team to the NFC Championship game. Now they want to see him get the team over the hump and get that illustrious first Super Bowl win. Vikings fans are dying for that first Super Bowl win, and Kirk Cousins needs to be a big piece of that. If not, then that entire signing will be seen as a failure. And that's the easiest way to put it. The Vikings essentially have a three-year window right now. They're locking up all their star players and all of their young pieces because they want to maximize this three-year window that they do have. And fitting all these guys under the salary cap seemed impossible. But now Rob Brzezinski and Rick Spielman have done a fantastic job of locking up their young core and maximizing this three-year window. You guys, make sure you go check out Vivid Seats. They have a host of discounts on sporting events throughout the NFL. You do not want to miss some of the deals that they are giving out. So make sure you go check out Vivid Seats on VividSeats.com. The big news of the week was that wide receiver Stefan Diggs signed a five-year, $81 million extension. 
It's something that fans have been clamoring for all summer after the Minneapolis miracle. He's now seen as the face of the franchise player. And now that he's signed this huge, massive extension, things change for Stefan Diggs. How do they change? His expectations for himself and of fans go up higher because now he's being paid as a top 10 receiver and fans want to see him perform at that level. And I think he has to this point, but the biggest thing with Stefan Diggs is that now he needs to stay healthy to now where he can reach that thousand yard mark and surpass that mark. Because now if he's able to reach that, he will enter into that upper echelon of wide receivers in that upper tier, like he is being paid to do in training camp. He has taken steps towards that with elite players. You want to see them dominate the competition. And that's the storyline that I'm looking at with Stefan Diggs. He has dominated the training camp competition. What you see in these clips from training camp and the articles that you're reading about him is that he's looking like a near elite player. And that's what you want to see from Stefan Diggs, considering that he just signed this massive deal. Now you want to see him take that next step into that upper tier of wide receivers like an Antonio Brown, like he was built to be or has the potential to be later on down the line, maybe midway through his deal. Maybe we'll start to see some numbers like an Antonio Brown does have or some abilities like Brown does have. If if Stefan Diggs is able to reach that type of peak, I think fans will be very satisfied with how far he's come along from his rookie year and him being paid like an elite receiver. If he's able to reach that elite peak, that's something that fans will be happily satisfied with. Before we move on, I just want to let you guys know that Nordic Track has a series of training equipment that gives you amazing workouts and the convenience of your home, including treadmills, exercise bikes, incline trainers, and strength. There's a special offer for Locked On listeners where you can get $75 off your Nordic Track purchase by visiting nordictrack.com slash locked on and using the offer code locked on. So make sure you guys go check that out. Again, that's nordictrack.com. Make sure you use the special offer code locked on. The final offensive training camp storyline that I want to get into is the offensive line injuries. We all know that Pat Elfline started training camp on the pub list, and that was a bit of a surprise to fans, including myself. I didn't expect Pat Elfline to start on the pub list, but what we found out is that not only did he have ankle surgery back in January, but he also had a procedure on his shoulder as well. We all know that he was battling a labrum issue early on in the season that he played with, throughout the season before ultimately getting injured in the NFC Championship game with that ankle injury and going down and missing most of that game. So their young center, who showed a lot of promise last year, but he did have some bit of ups and downs, but it was promising to finally see an offensive line draft pick hit for the Vikings because it's just a team that has a storied history of missing on offensive line draft picks. But Pat Elfline was one of the few that came in right away and started from day one, and he showed some really good promise. And this offensive line is just a different unit when he is out there in the middle. And the center is always seen as the heartbeat of the offensive line, and that's exactly what Pat Elfline came in and did from day one. He was the heart and soul of that offensive line, and you can tell that they miss him out there. There just isn't the same buzz, and there just isn't that same nastiness that they possess when they're out there or when he's out there as opposed to when he's not out there. So Pat Elfline makes a huge difference when he is that key clog in the middle. And I'm not panicking right now simply because he's not out there. But if he's not out there by next Monday's practice, I think fans are going to start to get a bit antsy because Mike Zimmer said that he's going to be out about a week. And 
that's about that week time frame once that Monday practice hits. So if this injury lingers, it's definitely something to monitor. And fans, rightfully so, have the right to worry about Pat Elfline if this injury continues to linger and he starts to miss preseason games and it lingers into that week one game against the San Francisco 49ers. Another guy added to the injury report this week was right tackle Mike Rimmers, the key free agent addition from the Carolina Panthers last year that played a little bit of right guard and mostly right tackle for the season last year. The emergence of Rashad Hill at right tackle allowed the team to slide him inside to right guard and Pat Elfline suffered a few injuries last year to where they had to shuffle that side a bit as well. But once again, here we go with some more offensive line injuries. And that's what's happened with Mike Rimmers in training camp. He suffered an ankle sprain. He suffered an ankle sprain, which is what it is being called right now. So we'll see what happens with that. And if it lingers longer in the training camp, that is definitely something to monitor because Mike Rimmers is one of the few proven guys that they do have on the offensive line at that right guard spot. Everyone behind him is essentially an unproven guy outside of Tom Compton, who isn't much more of a, than a depth piece for the team right now. So they have Danny Isadora. They also have rookie Kobe Gossett. But both of those guys are essentially unproven at this point. And offensive line is the one area where this team cannot afford injuries at all. With Rimmers going down and with Elf line being down, those offensive line injuries are starting to stack up. And you can combine that with Rashad Hill battling the flu. Obviously, the flu is something that Rashad Hill can, that he will eventually get over. But he's missing those valuable reps. He exited the first two days of practice. And now he's come back, but he's still missing those, he's still missing those reps that you want him to get. The offensive line injuries is definitely something to monitor as we go along in training camp. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about some training camp defensive storylines that we've seen thus far. The biggest one to me is how the team is executing and experimenting with Anthony Barr rushing off the edge. You see the clips of him rushing off the edge and participating with the defensive ends and the defensive line in certain drills. And that's very interesting to me because I think the whole idea behind this is to get him back to where he is most comfortable. Defensive end is what he played at UCLA. And the team invested a first-round pick, taking him number nine overall in 2014 draft. And that's what he played coming out of UCLA. He was, known as this, he was known as this guy that was going to be a supremely talented edge rusher. And the Vikings took a lot of people by surprise when they moved him to off-ball linebacker. He's played primarily Sam linebacker in his role here in Minnesota. And last year, Pro Football Focus only had him as an edge rusher in 17% of his snaps. The team wants to increase that snap total a bit because they feel like that's where he potentially could increase his value because that's what he did going back to college. And he's shown that he's very comfortable coming off the edge. I believe he had four sacks his rookie year. But since that point, the numbers have dwindled down and he has never been over two since that year. 2016 was a rocky road with him and Mike Zimmer called him out a lot for coasting. And he felt like that bar wasn't giving 100% effort during that season. And he just did not look like his normal self. We saw a bunch of highlight plays in 2014 and 2015, most notably the Tampa Bay Bucks game his rookie year where he single-handedly won the game in overtime with a strip fumble and a touchdown. So those are just the highlight plays that we want to see Anthony Barr get back to. But 
Staying on topic with him being an edge rusher, this is very interesting to me because the Vikings are stacked at that position already. They have Everson Griffin. They have Daniel Hunter. Brian Robinson is the seasoned veteran in that spot, but you have young guys who are yet to emerge and Tayshawn Bauer. Afadi Adenabo, Stephen Weatherly, and a host of other guys that they're excited about. Adair Runa is a rookie that they seem to be high on as well. So are they going to take reps from those guys to experiment with Anthony Barr, or are they going to try it early on? And if he doesn't have some success with it, are they just going to scrap it as a whole? So that's something definitely to keep an eye on. The other angle of this to me is that Anthony Barr wants his agents to be able to go to the negotiating table and be able to use that angle of him being an edge rusher to his advantage. What I mean by that is edge rushers are paid significantly more than off-ball linebackers. I don't have the numbers here in front of me, but we've seen guys like Von Miller get supremely paid as opposed to a guy like Luke Keekley. His yearly averages are way higher than Keekley's averages, and defensive end is seen as a premium position throughout the NFL, while linebacker it's a very important position, but we've seen edge rushers single-handedly win Super Bowl. Just going back again to Von Miller, where he won that Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers. He had the strip fumble that secured the game for them. And that's just something that Anthony Barr and his reps want to be able to take to the negotiating table because their sole responsibility is to get the most money for their clients possible. And using Anthony Barr in this hybrid defensive end role and linebacker role it's making him wear more hats on this defense, and it's, they want to show just how valuable Anthony Barr is. I think he's going to have a big season. What I'm really looking forward to seeing, though, is how long this defensive end experiment lasts with him and just how much they use him off of the edge. Transitioning to the back half of the defense, I want to get into Holton Hill and Mike Hughes. Let's first talk about Mike Hughes, though. There's been a lot of buzz about Mike Hughes, how smooth he's looked, how comfortable he's looked in Mike Zimmer's defense right away. And I found that very interesting because the biggest thing that you hear about cornerbacks evolving or stepping onto the NFL field is how slow their transition is to finding out the speed of the game and the techniques that they're being taught. You haven't heard that at all about Mike Hughes. And Mackenzie Alexander, who was the Vikings third year corner, had an interesting quote about Mike Hughes. And he said that, he already looks comfortable, and he's already where he wanted to be coming into the league. That was very big to me because McKenzie Alexander is the guy that's competing with Mike Hughes for that nickel cornerback spot, and it's sort of like he already admitted defeat to him in this position battle. And McKenzie Alexander is a guy that has a lot of pride. He's shown to be a very confident player, but him openly coming out and saying that just shows you how far along that Mike Hughes is right now in Mike Zimmer's defense. And I love that Mike Prefer came out and named Mike Hughes the starting kick returner from day one, which is where I think he's going to make his most contributions early on as a rookie. But as the season goes along, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mike Hughes begins to overtake McKenzie Alexander in that nickel role. And I think Alexander had a really good year last year. He was very underrated in what he was asked to do. Of course, he had some spotty play in some games last year, but Overall, I thought he had a very solid year. But now Mike Hughes comes into the fold, who I think was a better prospect entering the NFL. And I think his technique is much more advanced than what McKenzie Alexander's was coming into the NFL. And he has more upside because of the special team value that he does bring to the table. So that nickel cornerback spot is going to be something that I will keep my eyes glued to. I want to quickly transition to another guy, though. And you would have thought that this guy was the Vikings' first-round pick. And that's undrafted free agent cornerback Holt Hill. 
Holden Hill has come in and created a lot of buzz. Came in with a lot of hype. Everyone thought that he would get drafted. And he was even in the top 50 of some well-respected draft media analyst, Big Board. What you're getting with Houghton Hill is a guy that is that long and lanky corner that Mike Zimmer loves to have in-house, just over 6'2". So he has that size that Mike Zimmer typically loves in the past about his corners. We've seen it with Trey Wayne, and we've also seen it with Xavier Rhodes as well. So he has the physical traits that Mike Zimmer loves to see in his corners. You're getting that with Trey Wayne's and also Xavier Rhodes as well. He has some very similar traits that mirrors both of those guys and the traits that Mike Zimmer requires as well. He has really good hips, and you can see the techniques that Mike Zimmer is already instilling and teaching him, and he seems to be taking it and running with it as well. What I love the most is you see veterans like Xavier Rose and Terrence Newman taking him under his wing because that is the type of guidance that he needed that he didn't get at Texas. Everyone knows about his past and the failed drug test, and that was the biggest reason why he did end up going undrafted. But he has the right guys in place and Newman and Rhodes that can take him under their wings because both of those guys have had an ample amount of success in the NFL. And he needs those type of role models in the NFL because they're going to help him spread his wings. He's not forced to play right away, which is really good for the Vikings. So they can steadily bring him along slowly. And I think his career trajectory can be very good later on down the road, two to three years when some of those guys get older and maybe get expensive to where the Vikings can't keep. But right now, the buzz is really high about Houghton Hill. He's one guy I'm looking forward to seeing in the preseason games because of the amount of hype that he has generated and just how well he has looked in training camp thus far. Moving on to our final segment, and it's my weekly mailbag where I ask my Twitter followers just some general questions about the Vikings, whether that's training camp or just some concerns that they have about the upcoming season. And once again, I just want to thank all you guys for sending in your questions. It's greatly appreciated. If I did not get to your question, please continue to send them in. I will make sure I get to everybody's question as soon as I can. The first question comes from David Cromelo at NFL, and he asks, how is the D-line rotation looking beyond the starting four coming along? This is a really good question because the second and third groups of the Vikings defensive line has been something that has been highly debated because without question, they have one of the top defensive lines in the NFL with Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter coming off the end, and in the middle, they have Limbaugh Joseph and the newest addition is Sheldon Richardson. But beyond that, they do have some depth questions. Outside of Brian Robinson, pretty much everyone is a question mark at this point because we really don't know what they can do. Jaleel Johnson is a guy that they're bringing along slowly that played a lot at the tail end of the year that showed some flashes. Tayshaun Bauer flashed in a few games last year. He even had a sack against the Rams, which was really good to see. Steven Weatherly is a guy that they have invested a lot of reps in, and they would like to see his development come along a little bit faster and speed up a bit because they're going to need that depth. Brian Robinson obviously is the savvy and seasoned veteran, and I really don't count him because we know what he's going to be at this point. He's a guy that's going to be the ultimate depth piece among all four positions up front. They signed David Perry, who I think is going to be a sneaky good signing behind Limbaugh Joseph. Now, he's not going to play more than 20% of the snaps for the year, but if Limbaugh Joseph somehow goes down with injury or If he's just tired and needs a blow, David Perry is a guy that can step in right away and be a quality piece for Linval Joseph if he does somehow manage to go down or miss some time. And a guy I think that's not being talked about enough is Jalen Holmes, who I think is going to be an ultimate chess piece along the defensive line. And that's something that he proved to be 
at Ohio State as well. He played everything from defensive end to that one technique spot. Now, he's not going to play that one technique spot in the NFL because he's just not big enough. But if you talk about him playing on third down, that outside defensive end role, that five technique, or sliding down inside to play that three technique behind Sheldon Richardson, I think that's something I think that's something that he is capable of being or being able to do as well. Our next question comes from Jake Arndt, and it's at Arndt underscore Jake. Who do you think has the most successful season for all of the Vikings rookies? This is a really good question because I think Daniel Carlson gets swept under the rug a lot. And because he's a specialist, a lot of fans forget about the impact that he potentially can have this upcoming season. Everyone wants to talk about Mike Hughes and Holden Hill and the impact that they think that they might have. But I think Daniel Carlson is the one rookie that's going to have the most impact on the team this year because he is the kicker. And as Vikings fans, we all know that that crucial kick could be at any moment for this fan base. And we've experienced enough heartbreak to never underestimate how important a kicker can come down to being. And Daniel Carlson is a guy that comes in with a lot of hype as well. He comes in with a big leg and he's known for kicking those 50 plus yard field goals consistently. And he's also known as a weapon on kickoff as well, where he can consistently kick it out of the end zone and garner some of those touchbacks as well. So Daniel Carlson can prove to be an ultimate weapon for this team as well. If he comes in and is very consistent and he knocks down those field goals, 40, 50 plus yards, I think he is the one rookie that is going to have the biggest impact. Our final question comes from Rodrigo Nunez at underscore RM Nunez. Can Treywell be the third wide receiver? I think he can. And there's been some glowing reviews about him to this point in training camp. And he's never going to be that dominant number one wide receiver like a lot of fans wanted him to be when they did draft him in the first round of the 2016 draft. He's just never going to be that guy because he just doesn't have the explosiveness and the athleticism required to take over games and be that lead wide receiver of the corpse. And also, the Vikings already have two of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. So his touches and his targets are already going to be limited. But Kirk Cousins is a guy that's known to spread the wealth around. He never primarily targets one guy, and he's not scared to target all the guys on the field, whether that's Rudolph, the dynamic duo of Diggs and Thielen, or Treadwell in those red zone situations, or if he just wants Treadwell to be a chain mover on third down, I'm completely fine with that because we've all seen that one thing that Laquan Treadwell can do is that he can be a chain mover. He's a guy that you can consistently go to and depend on him to win on third down. Now he needs to evolve into that guy that can be that consistent red zone threat to where he can box out those defenders and go up and get the ball and snatch it out of the air to come down with those touchdowns. If he's able to evolve into that type of role and prove to consistently be that type of guy, I think he's going to have no problems evolving into that number three wide receiver behind the dynamic duo already in place of Diggs and Thielen. And that's today's show, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed my biggest training camp storylines on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. We also dived into some specialists as well. And of course, we always end Thursday's show with my mailbag of the Q&A, once again, thank all of you guys for sending in your questions. I'm Jordan Reed. You can check out my work at InsideThePyline.com. You can also go over to ClimbingThePocket.com, and you can also listen to my good friend Andy Carlson on Purple for the Win podcast, where I make my weekly appearances on Thursdays 
and or Friday. So make sure to go check out all of that. I'll be back on Sunday to talk about more training camp storylines. Also to dive into some more Q&A questions that I didn't get to. So continue to send in your questions and I'll make sure I get to them. Thank you guys for listening. Skull Viking.